Hello and welcome to another episode of Crime Travel in Sleet, Ohio. I am Kelly Amstutz, your host tonight, um, also known as the Genealogy Investigator. I'm really excited to bring you guys another spooky story. Um, It's October, so let's go ahead and jump right in. It's really exciting. I cannot wait. This one is called Change in Ghost Stories. Um, A little background on this story. It was actually published in the News Herald on the 11th of February of 1897. Um, It's a Thursday on February 11th. And it made page three. So without further ado, here is Change in Ghost Stories. Um, I will kind of forewarn you that it is in proper English. So um, if it sounds like I'm struggling, I'm not. It's just I'm trying to read it in the context that it's given. So (laughs) all right, here we go. He had been dead for a matter of 112 years, so naturally the place looked strange to him. What he now saw had never been a part of his physical existence, and I wonder if it were not best for him to go back to the graveyard and have a conference with some fresh corpses who would know all about these things, which had thus early filled him with doubts and misgivings. From the newly dead, one, he could obtain information, which might keep him out of trouble. But as he calculated upon it, such actions, it seemed to him, would make him a laughing stock for all the fool ghosts in the neighborhood. They would dis- deride him as a J-ghost, who did not know enough about the haunting business to set at it without a guidebook, or a time card, or a letter of advice and credit. They would gather around and hoot and jeer and shame him half to life, for they couldn't shame him half to death, he having been dead for a good 112 years. I wish, he said to himself, that I had exerted myself a little to keep abreast of the times. Here I find myself with an entire death wasted, just lying around in a comfortable grave in the daytime and spending the nighttime in disputing with a lot of old fossilized 16th century ghosts concerning things of no interest whatsoever. I've allowed opportunity to pass, and a lot of juniors who weren't even born, much less dead, when I died, have pushed me aside, and I am just a piece of old furniture. If I were a thousand years old or something like that, it would be better, for I could lie and swear and slash around retailing stale yarns like King Arthur or Caesar or Ahab or one of that lot and be interesting but I don't know anything about the remote past or the adjacent present. I have fooled away my kahooies, but I'm not going to remedy conditions. Or, I'm sorry, I am going to remedy conditions. I'm going to go haunting around this town and get up a reputation and go back to them and assume my proper position in spiritual society. Why, just think of it. Dead 113 years and have never seen anyone yet or never scared anyone yet never screeched at a schoolboy in a lonesome wood or groaned around in a deserted house or anything you could see that he was ashamed of himself and that he was really determined to rectify his airs of omniscience. to be sure he was a bit nervous and dubious about it although perhaps it isn't correct to use that first adjective in description of a ghost it's much of his nervous system is generally supposed to be compressed compressing air or fog or something of that kind He felt that it was a pretty serious undertaking for a strange and pause ghost to drift into strange towns with the avowed purpose of haunting it 
into a state of terror. But he was an insistent old spook and buckled down to business with determination. It's so funny that we're listening to a story that's supposed to be told by a ghost. As I have always understood it, he remarked to himself, the thing ought to begin with a demonstration in the matter of blowing out lights. I remember when I was alive that they used to talk of ghosts sneaking up behind one and blowing out the lamp, and it always filled me with horror. It's a good trick. I wonder who invented it. I, hello, if here isn't a chance just ready for me, I'm a tombstone. The city was dark, it being after midnight, and all was very still. Suddenly, however, as he turned a corner, he slammed square up against a window, out through which a faint light streaked its way. At a dark, at, or sorry, at a desk sat a man dozing over a book. It was a beautiful chance. The ghost quietly slipped inside. I mean, we can guess where this is going, right? There's going to be a festival of fear right here in about four seconds, he murmured softly to himself. Oh. I guess not, he thought. Just imagine how he will feel, how his hair will raise, how his flesh will crawl when I lean over his shoulder and blow that light out. Why, it almost scares me myself. He leaned over and blew. The light continued to burn steadily. The ghost has straightened up readily to give vent to a wild, demonized, demonized laugh as is the custom, he believed, for such ones made and provided. But he did not laugh. There was nothing to laugh at. The man continued to read on undisturbed in his doing fashion. That's funny, the visitor said to himself. Haven't I got any lungs anymore or any strength of breath? Well? So his plan is backfiring. Um, so he's, now he's saying, well, here she goes. What's he doing now? And one more time, he leaned down and woofed at the light. It did not even shiver. The ghost stepped back into the middle of the room, put his hands into his pockets and stared at that light. Well, I'm blamed, he said to himself. Now, what do you think of that? I blew enough wind at that thing to extinguish a bonfire and it didn't even flicker. As he stood intently regarding the light, the man at the desk rose drowsily and with a yawn stepped out into the hallway. Strange as it may seem, this rather relieved the ghost, for he wanted to investigate without the presence of inquiring and embarrassing witnesses. He had now forgiven that his purpose was to affright. He drew gingerly near the mysterious lamp and pulling in a long breath prepared to make the effort of his life or death, as it were. Suddenly, while he was still in the knot of inhaling atmosphere, the light went out. The ghost hair rose. He trembled from head to foot. What did that? He trembled, tremendously asking himself. Then, as a thought came to him, it was one of those fool new ghosts, I'll bet. Say you, addressing space in the hope that some fellow specter would uh, answer. I'm haunting this place. Go on away and attend your own business. We, Where are you? Who are you, anyway? There was no answer. Aw, say, pleadingly insisted the ghost. Talk up and tell a fellow. What's the use of acting that way? How did you blow that out? I liked to, but trying it and couldn't. 
He thought that bit of flattery would tempt the rival spirit to respond, but it didn't. Then the full horror of it appeared to him. There was no other ghost there. He realized it. He was alone. Utterly, hopelessly alone. Oh, for the cheer of some other spectacle presence. His teeth chattered in a noiseless, foggy manner. His fingers trembled and his legs shook beneath him. And if he had known how or had had the material to break out into a sweat, he would have broken out into one of exceeding coldness. He thought of the man who had sat at the desk and wondered if he would never return. He seemed long gone. Oh, for a glimpse of him sitting there dozing at his book. The light flashed up. The room was filled with his radiance, and yet nobody had come in with the flame to relight it. This was more terrifying than the extinguishment, for while a fellow ghost might have blown the thing out, it was palpable that even a fellow ghost could not have relit it, which would have indicated, um, without without any preliminary performance, which would have indicated what was ha- what was going to happen. He knew all about those fluorescent lights. Um, but it doesn't sound right. Sorry, I'm sorry. For fluorescent lights, which ghosts carry around with them when they are haunting sloppy country roads where some robber has been hanged and he knew that none such had been present. He was speechless with fear. Oh, what that man, would that man never return? If for but a moment he could see him and feel that there was something human, like he used to be in the room, his mind would have been easier. He would never again go haunting respectable people. That he swore to himself. It didn't pay. Then the door opened and the man came in. The ghost would have rushed to him and embraced him, but he was afraid to make himself too conspicuous for fear The man would drive him out into the night, as he had a perfect right to do, of course. All he wanted now was to sit down in the dark corner and shiver and wait for daylight. And he sat there and watched the man, hungrily, slavably, worshipfully, hearing every moment he would go, or fearing every moment he would go away again. Sorry, you know what's going on, and I I do apologize, but, um... I'm reading it out of a paper, and the paper is not super clear, so I'm trying to grasp what I can. Um, Okay, so it continues. Throughout that night, strange things happened. Weird whistles sounded, frightful alarms, and voices came from what looked like the ends of ropes, but which were speaking tubes. Bells rang, and the valorous, fearless man talked to the wooden box and talked as though he knew the box understood. Strange instruments of brass clicked and rattled when nobody was near them, and at odd times a mysterious thing shot out a long line of white paper, and although at every periodic whir and whiz of the contrivices, the ghost grew more excited and fearfully encroached lower. The man wasn't the least bit worried. Probably no ghost ever spent such a night. At last, the morning broke, and with the first gleam of daylight, that tried, that tired spook who had courageously set out haunting made a rush for the door and went galloping down the street and towards the suburbs beyond which the graveyard lay. So it's quite comical what's going on here. A little later, the day shifted came, or the day shift came on duty and the police alarm office. The man 
from the night told his relief he wished he would have the incandescent lamp mended. So that's the end of the story, and I thought it was really funny because obviously we know that it wasn't actually haunting. It's just that the world had changed and this ghost was still stuck in 113 years before. So he was still looking for the candles and just things that were a little a little less progressive. Um, the phone, of course, and stuff like that. So I thought that this was really funny and I was really excited to share this one with you guys. Um, so that was our first story tonight. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. I wanted it to be a little bit spooky. So, um, my keywords tonight were hauntings and I do have one more for you guys that I'm really, really excited about. Um, so this one is from 1874. This is going to be our second story. Um, It's from the 13th of March, 1874. It was originally published in the Somerset Press in Somerset, Ohio. And it was um, on page one. It was under the title Miscellany. And the title of this one is called, (laughs) you guys are going to love this one, Farm for Sale. So you can only imagine what's going on here. Like I said, it's spooky season. So this one... There's a little heading on here, and this is from The Hearth and Home. Um, So I don't know if that was a magazine back in 1874 or, like, what that actually originated. I tried to do a little research on it, and I really wasn't able to successfully find anything. So I thought that was kind of interesting. If anybody else wants to check that out, it's from Hearth and Home from 1874. Um, Please be sure to comment um, and reach out because all the extra information is awesome. I love adding that. So this one starts out, uh, a sweet home place, and I turn to look again, an old farm cottage among the trees, the hazy hush of summer afternoon over all, the golden sunlight drifting through the leaves, resting in gleaming pitches or patches on the grass, and blossoming clover, toss the shadows hither and thither. A sweet voice bird chirped in the maple by the gate as we passed, and the pale lips of locusts blossoms peered forth from leafy nests. In the distance, springing grain waved in tiny billows, like the peaceful flow of tiny seas and the dancing footsteps of a little stream left a gleaming line across the low green meadow. A beautiful home farm. So then in parentheses it says, farm for sale. Yes, these were the words in rough chalk letters above the gate. Farm for sale. Why sell the farm? Have hands grown tired of plow and sickle and the hoe? Hearts wearied with oft returning seed time and harvest? Has Ambien east her apple of discord in the midst of your sweet content? Whispers of riches and honors and splendors jarred in upon the heart music. Have visions of yellow gold and the world's proud shows shadowed with their delusive wings. The simple hopes, the everyday happiness, which blesses at the little farm. Why sell the farm? Having dance, dancing feet that made the music strayed up into life and one by one passed at the little gate to come. No more as of old. 
Has even the baby, the last darling, twinned the womanhood upon her brow and taken the blessing of her love and presence to adorn and sanctify another home, passing like the rest up the path, leaning on another arm, bearing the blessing, yet leaving the old house so very desolate, with only the haunting memory pacing up and down through the lovely aisles of the heart? Why sell the farm? Ah, is there a grave? Has death cut down? Deep through the blossoming sod, plowing up a grave so deep, so chill, so dark, that from its shadow your heart can be lifted nevermore? Has she, the dearest, most blessed, even the whole mother laying down to rest? Has the light gone out from those gentle eyes, the light of that soul, the embodiment of love and peace and faith and patience? Has it passed on to the awaiting glory? Is it thy desolation, O oh, death, that has compelled the farm for sale? Ah, how many farms for sale? And with what longings will hearts that go on from these farm homes, crowned with joy, turn back from the summit of many years to look upon the dead face of the old time, joyous, wondering at the strange happiness of the farm child wondering that never more is sky so blue, never sunshine so gorgeous, never earth so full of music as before that farm for sale. How will tired feet pause mid the dusts of life's highways, aching to press the whispering grass beneath the locust and hands hard with counting gold pine to pull again the violets down by the valley spring? How will heads girdled by thorns and care rest again in dreams on the soft moss-wept so oft by child curls and the long ago, and hearts, weary hearts, and longing souls will pause in the great world strife to catch again the far-off laughter of those waters in the meadows and the singing of the birdlings in the maples? And how will eyes grow tear-dimmed in this far-seeing as a vision sweeps by revealing above the little gate farm for sale? Um, so this one was kind of just poetic um and I just thought it was really cool something that I just kind of wanted to share with you guys um just because it's just kind of it's interesting as an English major myself and sharing these stories um with my kids too just to kind of see how writing has changed um and to be able to to verbalize that with you guys I think is is really neat too so um I just wanted to kind of have a little fun tonight and share some some fun stuff there. Um, I was kind of doing a little research lately um, just to kind of bring it back. I'm going to be doing some updating for the new year and kind of just, um, and not rebranding, but just kind of changing our content up a little bit just because I love the true crime stories, but I kind of want to segue back into the genealogy aspect as well because that is where my passion projects lie. Um, so I was working with, um, some of my own genealogy and just trying to kind of find, um, just some truths to some family lore that, you know, I have within my own family. I'm sure everybody does. That's the interesting part of, um, you know, what, what everybody's heritage is. And I was kind of thinking about what kind of occupations 
my ancestors had. So my question for you guys um, this week to think about for the next two weeks until we meet again is have you ever thought about or looked at or sought out the occupations that your ancestors had? Um, You know, tonight we're talking about obviously a ghost that the world had changed 113 years later. And we're talking about a farmhouse that's for sale and asking the questions like, why is it for sale? What happened that made this house for sale? Um, So it just kind of made me think, I mean, with the farmhouse, you think that there's farmers and and so forth. So um, have you looked at your ancestors' occupations? And if you have comments um let let everybody know like what they did um my ancestors they did all kinds of different occupations my great grandfather was a shoemaker um his his father came here from Romania and he worked in a factory you know he came here for work obviously um there's just a lot of different occupations that are out there. So it's really, really interesting to kind of see what our ancestors were doing and how that influenced where they lived at and how that influenced where they brought their families up or if they moved, why they moved, you know, how their occupations played a part into that role. So I'm going to leave you guys with that. Um, I just thought it was really interesting digging into your ancestors' occupations. It really can be a great way to uncover even more stories about their lives. Um, there's always so much to learn, but when you kind of dig into it and you see if your ancestors are farmers, you can see, you know, what kind of land that they had and how much land they had and where they deeded land. There's so many other questions that come with that. And ancestors' occupation can provide even more information about lifestyles, what products they use, type of environments that they lived within. Um, it can just give you an extra flavor and details about your family history. Understanding their professions can help you better understand social and economic statuses, um, what conditions they might have faced with in that occupation, how their skill sets fit into the communities that they lived in or they worked in or they were raised in, and what kind of conditions or industries were in where they lived and settled, um, like I kind of talked about a little bit ago. Learning more about their occupations can help you discover more about the records that you can look back at into. Um, And you can even try to relate that to their employers, which is really interesting, especially when you're going a little bit further back. Um, Because sometimes there's these companies that were well-known companies that kind of took a shift and maybe they had new management, but you can still dig out little pieces of the information on that. So I think that's really, really interesting. Um, My challenge for you guys is to take a moment this week or next week, pick out one or two of your ancestors and dig into their occupations. And if you're not sure how to do that, please reach out because I'm more than happy to help. Um, But I just think it's kind of interesting and it'll kind of segue into our next podcast episode. Um, because I have a a great true crime episode for you guys coming up, which I'm really excited about. It was really hard not to just go into it tonight, but I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm staying the course. Um, but it will relate back to that and an occupation that we might not expect and the gruesome truth behind it. (laughs) 
So I'm just going to give you that tidbit. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. I think I reached like a thousand downloads, which is awesome for me. Um, I'm growing organically. So thank you so much for the support. Thank you for listening. Please, if you have ideas, if you have something I haven't covered that you're really interested in, um, send it my way because I'm more than and happy to you know dig into it and research and bring it to our podcast episode. And um, as usual, um, I appreciate the support. I appreciate you. And we'll meet again in two weeks. So happy Halloween. Bye.